Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate. Hello. Today we're going to be playing Terra Mystica, designed by Jens Drogemuller and Helga Ostertag. The artist is Dennis Lohausen, and it is published in 2012 by Z-Man Games, and I'm going to say... Philo Sophia, because it's on the box. The description is, In the land of Terra Mystica dwell 14 different peoples and seven landscapes, and each group is bound to its own home environment. So to develop and grow, they must terraform neighboring landscapes into their own environments in competition with the other groups. Terra Mystica is a strategy game with a simple game principle and very little luck involved. On the one hand, proximity to other players limits your options for further expansion. On the other hand, though, it provides some benefits during the game. This conflict is the source of Terra Mystica's appeal. The mechanics are endgame bonuses, hexagon grid, income, increased value of unchosen resource, network and route building, tech trees, tech tracks, turn order, pass order, variable player powers, variable setup, victory points as resources. And the box art. All right. So the box, um, you can see those um, different landscapes on there. Um, there are Viking type look. Looking characters? It'd be dwarves. Dwarves, okay. They're ready with a shovel. Yeah, um, he's got a shovel. Mm-hmm. Overlooking a nice river and some, some fields and a mountain. Yep. Yeah. So would you pull this off of a shelf? I might. I might. Um I'm I'm intrigued by the cover. The mechanics are a bit much for me. Yeah. Um I wouldn't know where to start there and I hmm. Kiwi's going to require a yes or a no. A yes or a no. Um, yes, I would. I would. Okay. Um, I think the box art is really pretty looking. Uh, it's intriguing with the uh, little terrain types, which I'll get to when I guess the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, description kind of is a bit bland to me. It comes off very Euro-y, very like, Strategy game with simple game principle, very little luck involved. I guess maybe not against that completely. I just mm-hmm. don't like that's not a good opening line for your description. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, but you do prefer things that are strategy over luck based. Uh, I like a good mix. I mean, mm-hmm. everything is always going to have luck, mm-hmm. even in any game. So I get that this is less luck based and a bit more probably like not going to be rolling any dice. Everything's going to be game state on board. Mm-hmm. Um, no like crazy card drafts and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I like games like that. Cascadia is kind of a game like that. There's a bit of drafting. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not against that style of game. I just, I guess it's just not a great description to me. It doesn't give me like the flavor. It gives me more like it's a very rules sort of a description, which mm-hmm. is never appeals to me. But um, I'll say a yes to pick it up off the shelf because we did not include looking at complexity rating, which would be a no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I now realize how hard this is for QE to do after kind of studying the rules for a while. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's, it's, would you pick it it's up? It's given not? me an impression. Yeah. I think actually I would more so actually after reading okay. it. But That's yeah. good. We'll see. See how you feel at the end? Yeah. Um, how do I think it's played? So just based on the box, it's got these different terrain types. They make me think of hexes. So I think, and it does say a hexagon grid. So I think we're going to be placing terrain hexes to try to like group them together in order to, um, it does say 
resources. So I think you're going to try to group terrain to get resources from that terrain, which will then you have like a network. So you're going to try to like build a network to com- to contain different types of terrain. Mm-hmm. It's like you can get your uh, your wood over to your um your sand. <laughs> and then um from your sand you want to go over to your um red dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you have all that together, you can like build up your um income mm-hmm. which you're obviously going to use to purchase your technology tree to then um your technology tree uh-huh I see. uh-huh and then you're going to build up your technology tree and then you're going to build a spaceship you're going to go to the moon <laughs> all right <laughs> it's gonna ask how that mystica part comes in but i think you just solved it right there <laughs> <laughs> um there's no mystica it's literally just the land okay yeah. <laughs> so um the history of yellow dirt going to the moon do you know about edward kelly no okay so i'm going to tell you about edward kelly an english mystic born in 1555 at age 27 kelly met john d who is the personal astrologer and magician of queen elizabeth He claimed to use scrying to communicate with angels. After looking into one of Dee's crystals for a quarter of an hour, Kelly said he'd made contact with an angel named Uriel. This aligned with Dee's goal of translating the language of angels, his lofty motives for wanting to communicate with spirits of the other world to elevate and unite mankind in an era of religious wars, hunger, and disease. He sought to understand the universe. Meanwhile, Kelly used his divine powers for meaningful tasks like convincing Dee that the angels wanted them to swap wives. The two traveled Europe, giving displays of magic to the various royal courts, balancing impressing nobles and and not angering the church. Kelly had brought with him from England a mysterious red powder that he said he discovered buried in the ground. As a demonstration before dignitaries, Kelly dropped a speck of it into mercury held in a crucible. With all the witnesses, shimmering gold appeared in the crucible. Soon the news spread across Prague, Europe, and even back to England that Kelly had discovered the Philosopher's Stone and could produce gold from anything. Impressing the magic-obsessed Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II, Kelly received all sorts of lands and riches, while Dee returned home to England. But after continuously failing to produce gold as the Emperor expected, Kelly was imprisoned in Prague, where he died in a failed prison escape. He tried to jump out the window and it didn't work. There you go. Mm -hmm. A quick lesson of... A English mystic. Mm-hmm. All right. I can't believe you're trusting me with this. So in the game, there are 14 factions, as the description uh, mentioned. But uh, there are two factions that are recommended for a two-player game. And that those two factions are the nomads and the witches. So I was just going to read the description of those two factions. So witches live in the woods, but they, are, but they also dominate the air. Riding their brooms, they fly from place to place. This is why a forest that has never seen a witch before all of of a sudden may become full of witches. Witches are sociable, so they gladly join up in large witch towns uh, where they keep trading love potions and portable curses with each other. And the nomads. Nomads are a horse people of the desert. They used to live in tents and were always on the move. Even today, they build their dwellings using plain plain and light materials. This way, they can populate large areas really quickly. Nomads only dwell in deserts, 
and their hordes of horsemen can cause a sandstorm that may uh, propagate to neighboring landscapes. So those are our two factions. And the goal is to transform terrain um, to our preferred terrain. Um, so the nomads and the witches each have, uh, witches prefer forests and nomads the uh, desert. <clears throat> and we want to build structures. So you can build dwellings, trading houses, temples, strong, a stronghold, and a sanctuary. Uh, and then you can uh, upgrade your dwellings. So dwellings upgrade to trading house, uh, trading house to a temple, temple to a sanctuary, or a trading house can upgrade to a stronghold. Um, the first player is the last uh, person to have dug around in a planting bed in their garden. So I think, you know, that's obviously you. Yeah. All right. I'll go first. <clears throat> and yeah. And then later that will um, rotate depending on who passes first. Um, I'll get to that in a second. So in a round, um, we begin with income and income takes the form of worker cubes, power, gold, or priests. And then we um, have some actions to choose from. So starting with the starting player, you can take an action, one of um, these seven possible actions. So one possible action is to transform and or build. So uh, to transform, you're changing the type of terrain. Uh, and then you can also build a dwelling if you've changed it to your preferred terrain type. Uh, you can only build on your preferred terrain and only when no other building is on that tile. And it also has to be adjacent to one of your other buildings. And to transform the terrain, it requires uh, spades. And those are determined by our uh, faction. We Each faction has a, a wheel that kind of determines um, how many spades you need to transform your terrain. Uh, dwellings require workers and coins um, in order to build them. So yeah, and all of this again kind of varies uh, or does vary faction by faction. Um, in terms of the terrain spaces being adjacent, there are two types of adjacency. So directly adjacent or directly connected is you know self-explanatory. Indirectly adjacent, um, it may be separated by river, um, and in those cases, you need to use your shipping. So, and you will, um, one of your actions, actually in the next option in the action list, is to advance your shipping. So you can gain, you know, one shipping, two shipping, and so on. And so, for example, if you have one shipping, you can uh, cross the river and it's still considered adjacent. The third Possible action is to lower the exchange rates for spades. Spades are what you want, again, to transform terrain. Um, the fourth is to upgrade a structure. So before that list of uh, dwellings to trading houses to temples and so on. So upgrading. Um, you pay a cost to upgrade your buildings. Um, you can also send a priest to the order of a cult. So there will be cult tracks. Uh, fire, water, earth, and air. And you can send a priest there to advance that. And um, obviously that has um, an impact on victory points. Um, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. 
And uh, then your sixth pot- <laughs> potential action is uh, power actions. So there will be um, three bowls of power. Um, and you need to move the power um, around in the three bowls to charge it. So it'll start in one, you need to move it to two and then to three. And then once it's in that third bowl, it will be charged and you can use it. Um, You cannot move it, move any power into three until all of the power has left one to two. Um, And there's some other ways to uh, also increase the power. I'm not going to go into that. Um, And with the power, you can get some other special benefits um, on the board. Then there are special actions. So on the board, there's going to be a few special actions that you spend a cost to um, to use those. And those are all first come, first serve. So the first person to go there is the only person that can go there that round um, for those special actions. Uh, lastly, if you can't do anything else, you can pass. And when you pass, you uh, get the starting player token. And then there are also these bonus tiles and you will need to trade in your bonus tile for a new one um and you must do that whether you like it or not uh there are six rounds in the game each round also has some uh end of round bonuses and scoring as mentioned before there's um the proximity does play into how you build you transform the terrain and build your dwellings um when you build next to another faction um that other faction can gain power um in exchange for victory points so we will both be starting with 20 victory points and so if i build a dwelling near yours you can decide to take power and lose victory points um you're going to want to try to build towns so towns are four or more adjacent buildings with a um a level of power of seven or more this is i think a different power than the power tokens the each of the dwellings has a, a certain amount of power and it needs to add up to seven or more um and once you unlock your sanctuary then you can use that to build a town for only three or more adjacent buildings um but still a seven or more power uh, you can upgrade to sanctuary or when you upgrade or sa- to a sanctuary or a temple, you can also get a favor token. And um, those have abilities like uh, moving you up on the cult track or some other benefits as well. Um, you win by having the most points. Yes, you get victory points along the way uh, through various actions and bonuses and then there are a few more um, end of game bonuses as well to get those victory points you gotta say and them's the rules or something like Uh, that okay and them's the rules well let's play just finished a game of Terra Mystica. To recap, Kate, the witches, had 87 mystic points, and I, as the nomads, had 103 mystic points. 
winning strategy. Winning strategy was to get money because I didn't have money for most of the game. I got, I guess it was really, I got the stronghold really early, which mm -hmm. gave me a bunch of points because it was in a round that you were supposed to build a stronghold, I guess. And then that one was really useful. It was luck because I didn't know what it was did. And then that helped me build a bunch of things to get a bunch of workers. And then I just had to deal with not having money ever. Yeah. And then try to make two cities. Try to make Budapest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was my goal. Mm -hmm. And I did it. Your strategy? I don't know that I had a strategy. I um realizing in hindsight that, yeah, I probably should have gone for the stronghold sooner to unlock that uh, special ability. I think I at first I was going for getting workers in power mm -hmm. um, in order to be able to do other other things. And I was, the object of the game is to to build those structures and to eventually build towns. So I was initially trying to do that. I, I did want more than the one town, um, but that was pretty difficult to do. Without your stronghold power, yeah. Especially, yeah. All right, the uh, theme. Did you feel like witches um, building a witch town? Um, the witches, not so much. I mean, transforming the terrain that I wanted to build structures. Um, that, yeah, that that came into it. But otherwise, the there wasn't anything like really unique to our factions. It didn't no. feel like. I don't know if I didn't was. either. Yeah, I it felt like a terraforming game where you're converting. And, I don't know. It really made sense. Like. Like, oh, I can't have a desert. I mean, everything has to be a desert for me. Like, kind of weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I could probably live in a forest, too. <laughs> but converting everything to desert. So it felt like a terraforming game. Yeah. I don't know that it really needed to be the magical. Yeah. Whatever, which is in nomads. Didn't really make much sense. It could have been some something else along the lines. Converting terrain or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then the variable player things didn't really uh, relate to your yeah faction. i didn't feel like you were like when i was help, like we were helping each other like do stuff it, it didn't feel like yours was any different than what i was doing mm -hmm. yeah i think technically our special ability is linked like mine is that i i am a witch and then i'm like flying anywhere so that's why i can build anywhere yeah but it's just but, very weak and it yeah. really only comes in with the one special power move it didn't like feel otherwise like vastly yeah. different factions it's just like mm -hmm. one different power um, I did like the like the trading post is better if you're next to another faction. So that mm -hmm. kind of makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> you're, like when you built the trading post in the middle of nowhere. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, table presence. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I was, you know, I, I mean, tile placement like in that like the hex tiles. Mm -hmm. I think that's always an attractive, um, table presence. Yeah, and then something like that where you're building structures on it too. It's yeah, yeah, I, don't, I, yeah. I agree. It jumps out at you, and it's very colorful and things. The art on the player boards was was good, and the mm -hmm. design there. Um, I don't know if they've come out with like a collector's edition or anything, but I think this could really use that and just have a little bit of updated. Like the the one the stronghold piece is just a giant yeah. blob of like thing that could be like a cool castle. Like I, I think the you know compared to some of the more modern modern it was 2012 but you know mm -hmm. like the reason games in recent years like they could have some really cool like special meeples that kind of fit the building structure type and maybe a little bit of update on the um 
the actual like hex board and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, like good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I bet there is probably like a, upgrades and things out there, at least third party ones. That mm-hmm. would make it really pretty. Yeah. And then as far as everything on the, on the table, on the cards and everything making sense and... It's we'll probably get there more with rules. I think okay. most of it makes sense once you start to understand it. Like, mm-hmm. like it was very clear, like the hand was always income collection. Mm-hmm. Now, like the things are kind of spread out. So you had to like look all over the place when you're doing your income. So mm-hmm. some maybe a little bit differently in how that is. But I don't I don't but know. But having that consistent but yeah, symbol at least it was really like, helped. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I saw that and understood that, it's like, okay, I know that every time I see the hand symbol, it's an income phase thing. Mm-hmm. And every time I see this. So um, I think it was pretty good. But there are definitely a lot of, of symbols to pick up over the course of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, mechanics? Um, I mean, it's pretty, I don't want to say basic because there's a lot to it. But it, the core of the game is tile placement. Mm-hmm. and then structure pace placement on tiles so like nothing crazy there um i think probably the interesting one would be the way that we play off of each other the one mm-hmm. that we forgot the most probably probably yeah and um, i think that mechanically is kind of the other weird one because other than that there's not a whole lot of interaction mm-hmm. so that's always a little awkward when they're like hey please pay attention to what the other person is doing because there's a mechanic that triggers off of it, which is you you can get extra power, mm-hmm. uh, which we are short of most of the game. Mm-hmm. But you're also like really focused on your own thing and thinking about your next turn. Yeah. So you don't pay attention closely to what the other person is doing. And that gets even harder in a four player game, probably. Mm-hmm. So I don't always love that mechanic when it's like, hey, you get something when the other player takes a turn, but also you don't really pay attention to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's always a tricky one for me. I get what they're going for, but um, I almost couldn't be bothered to pay attention Mm -hmm. to to do it. And that's just with the two of us. Yeah. Power, I think, was an interesting mechanic. The way that you cycled through the different things. That was interesting. Yeah, it it seemed really hard at first. And then, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think the way that uh, also the, the dwellings, like, leaving and coming back to um change to reveal income, the yeah. income that was interesting too because i would it seems kind of dumb thinking about it but i would forget that i'd be losing one i'd be so excited about the one like that yep. i would be getting yeah, you're excited to and i'd be like oh no no i cover like, a worker <laughs> yeah yeah i did that a couple times too. And a couple <laughs> times i thought about it i was like do i really especially the trading posts mm-hmm. like those were pretty good because they gave you money and we were struggling mm-hmm. for money most of the game and I, I bet it would probably be smarter to like get a bunch of those yeah keep all your training posts so out get as much power as and money yeah. yeah but we didn't do that we got excited and upgraded them and yep. then we were struggling for money the whole game and that's mm-hmm. really your biggest income i'm curious about the the prox the adjacency and the indirect and the direct and I'm wondering if it really needed to be that complicated that there were a couple things mechanically that I thought we've talked about before where you kind of like you make a game and then you kind of maybe cut out some of the pieces that don't really add and just add complexity without adding much fun mm-hmm. and yeah i got the, the shipping thing i think i, I could have done without yeah that didn't add much to the game for me but maybe that's key to how you can spread out more yeah if you can terraform within direct 
over. I don't know. Maybe it would be needed more with more players. Like yeah. Maybe we had so much board to, to play True, with that we that didn't. You could, you, we didn't really block each other. Yeah. So maybe yeah, just a two-player thing. But at least in our playthrough, that was one that I was like, I didn't really get it and I didn't really care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, like the heck, the shovels to sort of upgrade your your hex types. I like that, even though I didn't really have to worry about it too much with mm-hmm. my sh- stronghold power. Um, all the buildings and stuff I thought were good. Um, I think most of the mechanics kind of made sense and fit well together. That's mm-hmm. the only one that kind of jumped out. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and then we talked about the turn order when we were playing that with the two-player game. Yeah, it was pretty. We pretty much took the same amount of turns, so the turn order always stayed the same. Yeah. Oh. I almost wonder for the two-player if it you shouldn't have that role of the passing player yeah. takes it, and instead we should alternate. Could be. But, yeah. The cult thing was interesting. I don't think it added a whole lot, but I, I don't mind. Didn't mind that it was there. Sometimes there's mm-hmm. a weird trackers they add in. Um, Coinbro was one that did it and Taverns of Tiefenthal did it where there's just this whole other tracker that was like didn't even fit with the core game. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like that in this one, but um, I did like to send them off to their, their cold mm-hmm. life. Uh, that was a fun little bit of the theme, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Rules. <laughs> uh, I guess learning the game was. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. This is one of, if not the most complex game we've played i don't know at least board game geek rating mm-hmm. so it's a very complex game i think compared to bonfire i picked it up a lot faster mm-hmm. um and then i i will say like it's one where every round you're gonna uncover new symbols and things to figure out it's like you even on the very last round where you're still in the rule book, like, what does this symbol mean? We've just uncovered this one and we've just mm-hmm. unlocked this. And now we have towns. What do those mean? And we have the special. Uh, don't even know what they're called. They call them the oval pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, what do those mean? And what do these scoring p- tracker mean? So, like, it's just one of those games where. I feel like you're always going to be in the rule book trying to figure out mm-hmm. what some of this stuff meant. And even if, like, you played it a handful of times as long as you took a break between each one i still feel like you'd be going you to look need it all to double up. check it yeah um but i mean there were the symbols do make sense once you understand them it's just you have to read through and, and get them yeah oh. how is it teaching the game <laughs> I, just, I i learned that it's a lot harder than i thought it would be <laughs> i mean I, I i knew i was taking on a lot with this game mm-hmm. but I did think that I had a better handle of it until we started playing. <laughs> I realized I didn't even know the rule book well enough to easily find things. <laughs> I don't I don't think the rule book is laid out as well as it could. Yeah, like yeah, you haven't gone through a lot of rule books, but even it my favorite part of the game is that it came with two rule books and <laughs> my copy was in French. So I was just reading French rules at, at Kate the whole game. That was my favorite part of the whole game. <laughs> Um, but just like glancing through that and glancing through the actual <laughs> the English rule book, um, yeah, the layout seemed really hard to look up. Yeah, stuff, and there was just a lot of text everywhere. And then even like there's a lot of examples, but like one of the examples confused us yeah. more than had we not read, looked at the example. Yeah, I don't. 
I need to look at it again to suggest a way to organize it better. But mm-hmm. I know it definitely like jumped around in terms of yeah, like it was hard to know is this am I going to find this in the section about taking the power action or am I going to find it in the section yeah. later that also has to do with power? Like right, well, like so, like the big the one at the end was when you uncover the sanctuary. Yeah, there's a symbol underneath it. Right. And we look. We went to the sanctuary section, and it didn't mention the symbol. Right. But the symbol was related to building a town. So it was in the building a town section. But we wouldn't have known to look there. We just flipped through the book until we happened to see the symbol. Right. It's like we wouldn't have known because we're looking for what does this symbol mean. So we're going to go to where we see the symbol. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go to where the. We'd need to know what the symbol meant to go find it in that spot. Right. So I don't know. Right. I'd be curious to see like Huey's. Rule book expertise, mm-hmm. how this compares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I like the little stories of the factions throughout was cute, but I think that also made it frustrating too. You had these red boxes everywhere that yeah. were just interrupting the content. And sometimes you couldn't even tell, like, I didn't even realize that the, the content continued because they mm-hmm. had put something there. And then actually that section continued on. It was like, yeah. I don't know. What? They could have just put them all at the end, so you have all your your lore mm-hmm. and stuff if you mm-hmm. were interested in it. Yeah, with, when when that in that section book? with the about the different factions. Yeah, <laughs> have the the lore and then the special uh, like abilities. a page on lore and a page on rules or however. Yeah, yeah. but this is another one of the games where I'm, I kind of say like, if the lore doesn't come out in the game and it's only in the rulebook, then like, mm-hmm. is it really part of the game? So. Yeah, player interaction. It it did have it was fairly interactive, but I think it was disappointing considering how much they sold that it would be very interactive that you really could um yeah just like certain ways that you could um prevent your opponent from doing things or benefit from them doing things like we that didn't come through really no um yeah i think the only interaction were just like benefits that we even like would forget about and then it'd be like <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, and i don't know if that's a two-player thing like i did read somewhere when i was looking up something about this game um mm-hmm. that like a lot of two players play with like a dummy rule of having like some dummy towns spread out throughout the board so it gives you another spot to be next to mm-hmm. to kind of build a town around or something Okay. That doesn't really increase interaction to me. That just gives you unlocks a little bit more. It's actually like unlocks the abilities that you get through interaction without actually needing the interaction. Yeah. So I don't know if that really would change that. Yeah. I don't think. It just might make it easier to make trading posts. Right. That's what I was thinking that it just gives it yeah. cheaper costs for things, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't really. And again, maybe four players, you're vying for land a bit more. Mm-hmm. We didn't really. We just sort of went different directions and. and had trading posts next to each other. Yeah. Wasn't we didn't really impact each other too much, I don't think. I think you could impact each other more with a bigger player account, using up more of the board, using more of the single use actions, and then the cult would be a little bit more competitive. But Yeah. I don't know if any of that would really bring that much more interaction during so. the gameplay. I don't think so. It'd be just be no. like a little bit more of a competitive worker placement mm-hmm. stuff going on. Not super interactive, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Would you play it again? Yes. Yeah, I would. I um, there was a lot there, 
uh, to learn, but I don't feel the way I did like after Bonfire. <laughs> like this time I was like, okay, it all makes sense after getting through it. And so then, you know, that's my thing. I always want to do it better. So um, yeah, after like learning it, but, but it was fun. So I would, I would want to play it again um, and with a better understanding of it. Um, would you play it? I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm borderline. It's, I think I'd, if, if it were yes, I'd want to do with a higher player count, mm -hmm. I think would be a little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's, it's, I don't think it's ever going to be like a super interactive Euro, but it's a lot different than like a lot of the worker placements and stuff. Like, I don't know that I've played anything a lot like it. It kind of like takes elements of a bunch of different sort of Euro-y games mm -hmm. um, and puts them together. So I, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I'll say yes, because I don't think I can't think of a, like a game I'd be like, I'd much rather play this instead. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I'll say yes. Um, okay. I don't know if I'd play it a lot more, but I think playing it with a, a three or four player count would be be interesting to see how that changes. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I, I had fun like making my two cities and linking them together with a bridge. Yeah, it was just enjoyable. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, um, yeah. So that was uh, Terra Mystica. If you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at firstturncast. The podcasting camel, um, as he's, well, you know, joining the nomads in the desert. And he's joining a cult. He's joining a cult. <laughs> Um, the, the uh, fire cult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and as he's doing that part of his uh, uh, initiation ritual, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing more from you. Play more games. Au début, la partie les sorcières ont seven pouvoirs dans le bourreau. Mm -hmm. Just what I did. I know. The uh, town tiles. <clears throat> You're gonna have to a be more specific, or b tell me in French. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that is what always happens to me. It's like, I think I get it. And then I start playing. It's like, I don't get it. I didn't it. get it.